and welcome to another episode of Mom Powers. I'm your host, Colleen Krubel. So today we are going to talk about breastfeeding. And what I think a lot of moms know is the health benefits involved with breastfeeding. But perhaps, I know I didn't when I was a new mom, know just how hard it can be sometimes to breastfeed. It's not always this easy automatic thing that happens. There can be a lot of difficulties experienced when trying to breastfeed a baby. So I have a panel of experienced moms here with me today, and I'm going to let each of them take a moment to introduce themselves and tell you their names, their children's names, <coughs> and a this is Amy. Amy and I are friends. We have um, daughters in the same kindergarten class, and she has with her today her youngest, Nellie, mm -hmm. and we also have Cassie and Julie here who are mothers who have uh, breastfeed, and Julie's currently breastfeeding also, but they are also professionals when it comes to breastfeeding. Cassie is a La Leche League leader, and I'll let her explain what that means to some of you who may not be familiar with the La Leche League. And Julie is an independent certified lactation uh, consultant. I'm not sure if I said all correct. that quite correctly, but <laughs> I'll let you do that when okay. we get to your turn for introduction. So Amy, I'll come back to you if you want to just okay. tell us just a little bit. About um, so I have a five and a half year old daughter a three-and-a-half-year-old son, and then um, Nellie is just over a year, and breastfed them all. Um, two of them were very difficult, and one wasn't too bad. So okay, every baby's different. Mm -hmm. Every baby is different. So which one was the easiest? Uh, my son. The one in the middle. Uh, yes. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm Cassie. Um, I have been a La Leche League leader for almost 10 years now. That's a long um, time. So I see a lot of familiar faces that I haven't seen, like yourself. Like I remembered you. Like, mm -hmm. wait, I know you. Um, so I've been doing that on a volunteer basis, and I actually have a almost 11-year-old son. Um, Sam is eight and a half. Um, I have a stepdaughter now who is going to be nine this weekend. And then I have a son who would be four. And then I also have a daughter who is three and a half. Um, so I have breastfed all of them except for my stepdaughter, but she was breastfed. Um, okay. And yeah, every baby is different. And this is my first child that I actually went back to work with. Um, so I actually, I manage student properties. Okay. Student okay. For my day job. Wow. So, all right. Yeah. So we'll come back then to, uh, to talk about La Leche League just a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Julie, let's hear a little bit about you. Sure. My name is Julie Gladney. I, um, I'm an international board certified lactation consultant uh, and I'm in private practice now. And um, I have five children. My oldest, Nova, was not breastfed. And she's kind of the reason that I got led into the lactation field because okay. I didn't get good information when I had her. Um, and so I listened to the physicians, but it turned out they were wrong about my medication. Um, that I was taking, <laughs> and so I did not breastfeed her, and okay. so I kind of have background with that, and mm -hmm. then um, I realized that they were wrong once I started working in breastfeeding when my son Oren was born, okay. and he will be 13 here shortly on Monday, and um, I have a, let's see, almost six-year-old, I have a son who would be three, and I have a daughter who's 20 months who I'm currently breastfeeding. Okay. Um, and yes, every baby is different, clearly. Nova's kind of what led me into the field to getting good information into the hands of moms because it can be very, very challenging, especially when you're getting 
poor information. Yes. Um, so that's kind of my leading role is giving correct information so okay. that people can really make informed decisions. Okay. Okay. So I have two children, one a son that's almost nine and a daughter that just turned six recently. And I breastfed both, but both times I provided my breast milk via pumping so they got my milk in a bottle because my son wouldn't latch properly. We ended up at Children's Hospital when he was four days old because he was dehydrated. I had him at the breast. I thought he was nursing. He wasn't getting anything and I didn't know. So while we were at Children's, a lactation consultant came into the room and introduced me to the world of pumping. And so that was the route from, then, from there on out. I tried the shield. Um, I tried lots of... Exclusive I, I, pumping I, is really hard. It's yeah. so hard. <laughs> I mean, I, I, always, I still would bring him to my breast on a you know, pretty much daily basis, at least for the first several months. And it just was, it, he just didn't want that. He wanted the bottle. But I was bound and determined that he was going to get my breast milk. So, yes, I, uh, I pumped and I pumped and I pumped. And <clears throat> the hardest part were the nights because you can't pump laying down. You right. have to sit up. Right. And so I brought up to the bedroom, I got a small like dorm sized refrigerator and put it beside the bed and I would get all my equipment ready for however many times I would have to pump through the night because you know initially it's like every two hours. And so the, at least I wouldn't have to get out of bed to, to do the pumping. And a lot of times I would have him on my lap and be able to feed him the milk that had just pumped while I'm still you know finishing up with pumping. and. So I did that for a year, and then my daughter, I uh, had to have emergency surgery right after she was born due to retained placenta, and so I was out of commission for a while, and so they gave her donor milk rather than formula, but still she was introduced to a bottle, and so it was the same thing. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to nurse directly from the breast, and I was like, no, but <laughs> broke out that pump again, and it was a um, double breast pump, backpack, battery operated, so I could be mobile with it. I would load up to go into town and I would pump in the car on the way to town because it was a 15 minute drive and that was about how long it took and I would bring mm -hmm. my extra set of stuff so I could pump on the return trip to home because it was usually time I'd have my cooler with me. Um, so yeah, and I remember when her first birthday was approaching, she was born in January and on January 1st, I was able to get about two ounces from the pump and that was, my body was saying, you're done. But I was like, okay, it's her birthday month Close enough, I could say I did it you know, for a year. And then it was that year that the derecho hit. I don't know if you remember, mm -hmm. for those of you who yeah. may not know what a derecho is, I didn't know until I was in the middle of one. Um, it was like a straight line tornado and it wiped out power in southeastern Ohio for days and days. And my immediate thought when that hit and I realized we were out of power was, all my frozen breast milk is out there in the deep freezer in the garage, what do I do? And I called the lactation consultant at the hospital where my daughter had been born here in, at Oblenis, and she's like, bring it here. Yeah. We have emergency generators. We'll keep it for you until, until mm -hmm. however long. And so we were without power for eight days, and so she kept all my milk. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's like, it was not easy to do. Mm -hmm. So that's why I thought today, talking about the trials and tribulations of breastfeeding would be a good topic, because it's not easy, and pumping is hard, but it can be done. So I will stop talking, and I will let you guys do some talking. So Amy, let's start um, with you. Okay, so I, my daughter who's five and a half, I went into it um, not knowing what to expect, but always wanting, like this is my goal, we're going to breastfeed because of the health benefits of it. So um, she latched on right away very easily, but her latch was very shallow and she was a biter and I became 
like my milk came in instantly after delivery, like it was engorged. <laughs> so it was really difficult to have a biter and very um, large engorged breasts and they don't need much milk in the beginning. So right. trying to get that out yes. wasn't working. Um, so then trying to find, a, it was just a, a whole ordeal, trying to find the time to um, pump and then I ended up with mastitis and then she ha um, had been biting so much that it was I was bleeding oh. so then I had to stop breastfeeding for about two weeks and just use a pump um, for them to heal yeah and was really worried that she wouldn't go back to breastfeeding and was she getting enough food using the bottles um, which she she was. She was fine, but, you know, hormones, and it's the first baby, right, and everything's right. yes. going on. Um, and so then she was able to nurse after that, um, but then I had to get, uh, because of her jaw alignment and just the way her tongue was positioned, we went in for manipulation, and that mm -hmm. helped quite a bit to loosen it up. And then um, I just even though I was still nursing her, had to pump in between feedings because I made so much milk, mm -hmm. which then I ended up saving and then donating to the milk bank that was at Children's um, Hospital at the oh, time in Columbus. Wonderful. That's quite a commitment. Because it, it was a lot of pumping. So people yeah. who pump, exclusive pumpers, I mean, that is, that is huge because not only are you doing the feeding, but then you're cleaning the supplies and carrying the pump, that's hard work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's already yes. double duty yeah, when right. you're pumping and feeding and then all the cleaning and it's tough. It's yes. really, yeah, yes. it's really hard. And then the other weird thing, my daughter had, a, I had the gamut with her. Uh, and then she also had, um, I had a ruptured, I guess it was like a ruptured blood vessel or something inside that I didn't know. So when she was nursing one time, all like it was just, copious amounts of blood oh, wow. and she was vomiting oh my goodness. blood that I thought not was heard from of her that before oh so we that must have been terrifying rushed to the hospital we just went straight to Columbus and oh. they um did an assessment and they thought well she's fairly old it wouldn't really be a tear or something in her and they just watched and they said no it must have been from you and then um I was pumping on the way there just to check maybe it was me, what was happening, and nothing. So she had consumed all of the all of it that wow. was at that time. So it does happen. Wow. But <laughs> yeah, so you don't hear about these things no. before you have your first baby. No. <laughs> you think, I'm just going to breastfeed and it's going to be great Yeah. easy. So it probably yeah. took us about six months, I would say, with her to be in a good routine and system. Yeah. And then my son... Well, were um, you able to move away from pumping? Yeah, so that took about two weeks. But then I was also working at the time. So I would pump... At work. At work. Yeah. And because I had so, such a big supply, it didn't... I, it wasn't that difficult yeah. for me to do it so and feed. Let's talk a little bit about pumping at work. Did they have space for you to do it um, in private? Was that... I could have done right? it in my office if I wanted to, but I usually just wanted to check out and go somewhere. So sometimes mm. there there wasn't a there was a room I worked at Oblenis so oh, I could have okay. went to the nursing room upstairs okay. but it really it, it would take me like five minutes and I would have eight ounces so mm -hmm. I would just mm -hmm. go into the bathroom mm -hmm. which. <laughs> 
people are always like, oh, I have to go into the bathroom and pump because there isn't anywhere, which is not <laughs> like a good, no, right. Yeah. And I was like, well, I just want to do it because I want to get it over with. And it was, it was easy. Yeah. Well, but. there's a, a gal that I work with here at OU and she's breastfeeding and there's no space designated in our office building. And so she's found this area, it's like a little meeting area, but it doesn't have full walls. But she pulls a huge whiteboard across the opening <laughs> and ri- writes on it, you know, pumping, please do not disturb it. You can hear the pump. And, mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know, kudos to her for, for finding yeah. a way to make it happen, mm-hmm. you know. And I also used a hand pump, too. Oh, wow. So I didn't, like. Your milk came out so yeah, fast. Yeah, I was, it was, well. and that was one of the problems, too. Like, when, so, when all of them weren't little, I had so much, and it was such a strong release that they would just start gagging. Uh. So I was like a like a cow. Like it was just So did you have towels and yeah, not to a lot of leaking, a lot of breast pads to absorb the milk. Um, yeah. When yeah. did you wean her? Or did she uh, self-wean? She self-weaned about 18 months cuz then I was pregnant with Leo. Mm, so okay. she kind of started phasing out when yeah. the changes happened. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you did bottle and breast with with Winnie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She was both. And then he was mostly, he was mostly breast. We tried a bottle for a couple of months, but it was such a force for him. And I had stopped working at that point that it was mm-hmm. just easier yeah. to not. Did you feel it. more prepared the second time around, like going into breastfeeding? I did because of all of the problems mm-hmm. and just knowing like this, these are the potential things that can happen and it works itself out eventually mm-hmm. just knowing the right people to go to and having the support and mm-hmm. what you need to fix it. Who did you go to during all this time? Um, I, I saw Anna Wright in town. For so she's a physician, um, a doctor of osteopathic medicine, mm-hmm. and so she's the one who provided the manipulation that you mm-hmm. mentioned? Right. Okay. Yeah, and but, it was just like loosening the jaw and the tongue and making it smoother instead of a biting that you can have a better suck. Okay. Yeah. We're so okay. fortunate to have Anna Wright in our community yeah. with her expertise with babies feeding in particular. That's, yes. You don't find that kind of expertise in many areas. Right. So we are very, very fortunate to have her here, mm-hmm. here locally. I so agree. I went to Anna too with my kids. So. We all yeah. did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So how are things going with Nellie? <clears throat> um, so Nellie had uh, kind of a similar... kind of similar not as hard of a bite um and but I became engorged really quickly again and she had um a tongue tie and a lip tie but it was so far back that the um lactation consultant at Oblenis was like I'm not sure it it seems like it could be but we're not positive usually if there's the lip that like the tongue as well can be part of it and then we had some manipulation done and it was able to smooth it out a little bit but it still wasn't a really good suck it was yep. just because I made so much she was getting enough okay um and then went and had it uh, laser lasered and that okay. was like within a day it was like this is a huge difference so let's talk about that <laughs> a little more in detail so for those who are watching and they're not familiar with what you're talking about, they can have a little bit of a better understanding. Um, so anatomically, I'm not really sure like when it happens in development, but it, it, there's a piece of skin in the, underneath the front part of the lip that will hold the lip in, so it's mm-hmm. hard for the baby to 
flip it up to get a good lash. lash. And then the tongue in the back, the same thing. It can prevent it from like cupping and moving um, depending on where it is and how, how long it is. And I don't know, there's different degrees that they're classed at. I don't remember what hers okay. was. Um, but the procedure, the, there's a, the dentist, I, I believe, there's one in Dayton, I believe, from here. And then there's one um, north of Columbus where we went. And the procedure takes you know, five minutes. It's really quick, um, a quick little laser. And then you nurse right after. And then you have to do some stretching exercises, okay. like holding their lips out and yeah. like moving their tongue a little bit for a few weeks after that. Weeks. So they okay. get used to that new <clears throat> movement. Okay. But it was a huge difference huge in feeding. Difference. Yeah. Okay. And it was. So we've yeah. mentioned some localities here with Columbus and Dayton. I didn't mention at the beginning of the episode that we are filming today, as we always do, in the Women's Center at Ohio University. So I'd like to say thank you to the Women's Center and thank you to our crew, who's also part of Ohio University. Okay, so um, Cassie, let's hear what your experiences have been like yeah. with breastfeeding. I just have a quick question for Amy. Do oh, you sure. think that you would have gotten the, the tie and the lip released if it was your first? Do you think um, if it was recommended or oh, almost recommended by Michelle, my first? like, what do you, th I mean, just looking back at it, experience versus no experience. I don't know. I think because it was so hard, like, because I knew what, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, hers would have been really difficult, too, and I think it, it probably would have taken, maybe not in that first two weeks of mm -hmm. life, it might have been, like, a couple months after that, but right. I think I was really willing that this is what we were going to do to mm -hmm. feed that I probably would have done it right. but not as soon and I probably would have been more either damaged by it or mm -hmm. like more yeah breastfeeding problems from it yeah. yeah yeah I would think that that one more negative experience <coughs> might you're like oh wait there's a solution that could help this and not lead you down the road of all those issues yeah again that you know, mm -hmm. that's like, oh, wait, there's a light of, we can do something about this, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's the frenulum that's underneath the tongue. Okay. And I can talk a little bit more about tongue okay. tie real quick. Okay. Um, so your tongue and the floor of your mouth are fused together during development. Okay. And there's a specific point in time that the tongue lifts up and becomes movable. Okay. And so those cells that were connecting the two are supposed to die from, based on program cell death, like apoptosis, uh -huh. and they don't. And so the, uh -huh. the tongue's restricted. Restricted, so the movement of okay. the tongue is restricted by the frenulum, uh, but it's collagen, and so it's not. We're not cutting muscles or tissues of any. It's it's stretch. It's not stretchy. It's collagen, and so the the point it can only stretch three percent, um, and so the laser really helps. I had two tongue tongue tied children, okay. and also lived forty years of my life, and then realized that I was tongue tied, I and so I had ask. my own <clears throat> tongue tie released. Okay. Oftentimes, when the more you're Learning about breastfeeding and specifically tongue tie, which ankyloglossia is the, the technical term, but okay. um, tongue tied babies come from tongue tied parents oftentimes. Oh, okay. So when you kind of start looking in the family history, you might hear from grandparents or you know aunts and uncles like, oh yeah, so and so had a very severe tongue tie. Um, so it's it's a familial thing, okay. you know. That's so what happens? 
throughout life if you haven't had that addressed as a baby? So the list of adult tongue tie symptoms, it's kind of like a scroll that like unrolls on the keeps rolling <laughs> on the ground, you know. It's all sorts of things from migraines, TMJ, need for orthodontics, so malocclusion, sleep wow. apnea, the placement of your tongue in your oral cavity shapes the entire oral cavity. Wow. Um, so your tongue needs to be able to reach your palate to flatten your palate. And if it mm -hmm. can't reach your palate, you end up with what's called a domed, like a very high palate. Um, and some babies literally cannot reach it because of their restricted wow. tongue. Um, and like Amy was saying, depending on where that frenulum connects, we have different issues. You know, the ones at the very tip, those are the ones that we discover early on um, and can cause lots of, you know, damage to nipples, lots of pain from the beginning. The posterior ties are a lot trickier to discover um, and we kind of see a different set of, of issues with that. But the, the back of the tongue is responsible for the wave-like motion. So if you have a posterior tie, that is impaired. And so they literally cannot milk the breast like wow. we need them to. Um, and so some mom's bodies in response over make milk in an effort to Okay. pour the milk into the baby literally <laughs> to make it easy for the baby i'm convinced our body knows all about this you know our bodies know that we have a, a baby that has this issue and in response just kind of dumps the milk out um, so we often see the high supply oversupply going along with undiagnosed tongue ties so. okay very interesting yeah, it wow is. okay so cassie i think <clears throat> excuse me i think we were Hearing from you about your yeah. experiences. I mean, sitting in on on panels like this and being around nursing moms, like that's what Julie and I do pretty much. Okay. Full, I mean, she does it full time for a living. Um, mm -hmm. I do it on the side for volunteer work, but um, just friends and family and cousins and coworkers and people that tell their stories. I, I can't. It's so interesting. Like I sit back and I can hear Julie's brain diagnosing <laughs> and knowing the answers and thinking, you know, we have all this support in our community and it's just, I don't know, just sitting back being a person and being a mom, like, cause we generally don't get to talk about ourselves. So it's also yeah. a little awkward. I think for me it is <laughs> yeah. to like, cause we're kind of trained not to interject ourselves. We're more of the listener right. and help diagnose and help the mom go forward in their breastfeeding yeah. world. But, um, Yes, I'm a person and I do have children and I breastfed all of them. Um, my first son was born. Um, you know, the birth has a lot to do with how you're going to breastfeed. Um, and 10 plus, you know, almost 11 years ago when I had my first, um, I didn't know anything about birth. I just knew that I wanted to have a lot of kids. Um, so I had trouble getting pregnant. Um, I have PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome. Okay. I don't ovulate like a normal, uh, healthy woman does that doesn't mm -hmm. have that issue. Um, so it took about a year and a half to become pregnant with him. Um, there were no miscarriages or anything beforehand, but it took a lot of trying <laughs> to have him. Um, and so after some help with a fertility doctor, um, just simply getting my tubes flushed actually helped me ovulate because I didn't have eggs releasing. I had that done too. <clears throat> yeah, super fun <laughs> procedure, yeah. but better than having Clomid or having more invasive um, medications in your body or procedures. So we got pregnant, we you know had sex the next day and I was pregnant. Um, so that was Isaac. Um, he was born um, with induction 
um, you know, I, I believed my doctors just put my life in their hands because that's what I've always been taught. Mm -hmm. um, so Isaac was who brought me into motherhood, but he's also the one that helped me understand that I am actually in charge of my body. Um, mm -hmm. So induction had um, an epidural um, and had him vaginally, which is great and a miracle that, you know, putting my hand, you know, putting their hands, you know, in charge yep. is a big deal. So I was able to have him vaginally and um, no one at the hospital at the time comes in and tells you like how to feed your baby then, like 10 years ago, um, especially in Southeast Ohio. So my mom and my grandmother were there for the birth and saw everything and they were both had all of their children via C-section because they were told they couldn't have them vaginally. So they alone were in awe of seeing a baby born vaginally yeah. and it being their grandchild. Um, so he was born and my grandmother, this little sweet woman, kind of, you know, assertive, said, put that baby on your breast. And I said, well, why? Like the nurse is cleaning him and he's beautiful and he's not crying. She's like, put him on your breast now. And I was like, Nana, come on. So I, oh, I tell my Nana all the time, like she is the only reason I'm still involved in breastfeeding because she was the one that came in the room and said, this is what you're doing. Like there's no other option. Um, so yeah, with the support of my mom, and my grandmother, because I am a local, I, I'm, I don't work at OU, I'm not a transplant, I'm from here. Mm -hmm. I have my family all on the same road. Oh, um, that's so nice. So they would come. Yeah, great support. Yeah, I had great support. Yeah. So that was another thing. Like, I didn't know about the Leche League, and the birth circle had just started then. Um, mm -hmm. And my pediatricians were telling me to just give the, the child formula at every appointment, even though he was healthy and growing. Um, Why were they telling you that? Um, because he had green poop at one point. Um, and I know now that um, green frothy poop, poop with gassy is, you know, too much for milk, not enough fine milk. But at the time, I asked my doctor, and my grandmother said, don't listen to him. You keep nursing. And it works. It adjusted. Like Julie said, like, your body just figures it out. Yeah. Um, so my body adjusted without any help from an IBCLC. Um, okay. So, yeah, Isaac was my, my, learning, <laughs> my learning tool um, into motherhood. Um, so then all of the, all the previous, you know, because now Julie and I both have, like, a lot of kids. So yeah. I won't go into detail of all of them, but that one's the most important to me because I think your first experience, like Amy was saying, like, you s go through a lot that you don't even realize is going to happen. Right. Um, so having right. medication, having a vaginal birth, having support there to tell me to breastfeed um, was huge. Um, and then yeah. looking back on it knowing he was tongue-tied because breastfeeding hurt for me with Isaac for three years. Like, it was not comfortable. Right. I just thought that's how it was supposed to feel. Um, and looking back on it, like, now I can say that he is not severely tongue-tied, but enough that it's there. Um, yeah. And eventually, you know, insurances don't pay for it. Um, yeah. So oh, I, I have didn't to, know that. I have to okay. come up with um, some extra money to get that taken care of for him, okay. but um, why do why doesn't it <clears throat> cover that? I'm so I feel like it just hasn't kind of caught up yet because a dentist is who we're going to now right. for the releases. Okay. Um, I my one daughter <clears throat> had the tip of the tongue t sort of um, tongue tie, and so her pediatrician clipped it in the office, and okay. it helped. But I realize now, looking back, um, yeah. that she was still 
tied in the back part, the posterior okay. part of the tongue. Okay. Um, and so now we refer people to um, dentists. And so okay. there's just an issue with it being a dentist that's performing the procedure and medical insurance and covering it. Okay. So I feel like it just hasn't quite caught up yet. I okay. know um, many people are submitting to their insurance, like they'll give you a specialized bill with the codes that you okay. can apply for reimbursement. Okay. And I know like the OU insurance will eventually pay some. Okay. Um, we're in trouble with the Medicaid world though. And so mm -hmm. I feel like that's part of what needs to change so that um, <coughs> you know low income moms aren't priced out of this procedure because it can be hugely, hugely imperative to comfortable breastfeeding. Okay. Um, and some babies struggle with weight gain because of tongue tie. They, they can't move the milk into their mouth, you know, they can't, can't get it out of the breast. Um, okay. And so I feel like it just hasn't quite caught up yet. So hopefully mm -hmm. we get to a place where it is covered. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but, but my second fortunately wasn't. So I actually went from nursing Isaac um, through my pregnancy with Samuel and then tandem, so I nursed both my almost three-year-old and my newborn, which was very helpful because I had engorgement. Uh. Um, and when you have an older child to kind of give you that relief rather than going to the pump, um, that was really great. And I was fortunate enough to be able to stay home, so I didn't have a pump for the first two. I didn't know what that meant yeah. um, to have a pump. That's why I'm like, you exclusively pump. That's with your first, like that's... Yeah. That's a lot of time. <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> um, so yeah, Samuel, he also nursed until he was three. Honestly, the more children you have, the more blurry it becomes sure. as far as sure. any trials that you have. <laughs> right. But I did learn how to baby wear. So like nursing okay. at, when you are but a stay I know what that means, but maybe some in our audience may not know. What yeah, you mean I mean, it's baby. just use this, a using baby a sling wear. or a carrier of any sort so that you can have your baby on you. Yeah. any time that you guys are awake, really. Um, and moms yeah. are using them now more with their first than before, at least yeah. in my experience. Um, yeah. So for me, I didn't have a carrier until Isaac was almost two and a half, okay. and it became tantrums and things in Kroger. So it was like, throw them on my back. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, Samuel was born, so I tandem nursed them for six months, and then Samuel mm -hmm. continued to nurse until he was three. Um, and the only weird thing I remember about nursing him was um, I got mastitis when he was like one and a half. And you mentioned like, mastitis One and a half, too. like that's <laughs> so old. Like well, why did yeah. I get mastitis? Well, let's take a moment to talk about that, what dealing yeah. with mastitis is like for those who may not know. <clears throat> talk um, about the joy of that. It was worse <laughs> than childbirth for me, I will say that. <laughs> Honestly, I would have a baby again rather than go through mastitis. It's like... Um, it's like if you had the flu where you're exhausted and just like wearing clothing hurts and hurts. touching hurts and moving your body hurts. Um, it's really quite horrible. And I never did the cabbage leaves technique or trying to do that. I've done like um, different cold compresses, but usually ended up getting antibiotics really pretty early okay. because mm -hmm. it was, I just was so engorged and it was so painful. Yeah. yeah so yeah. antibiotics aren't always necessary, but so mastitis happens due to milk stasis. So that's milk sitting in the breast yeah. essentially. So sometimes we can, well, usually we can kind of pinpoint it, whether it's the baby started sleeping longer or mom went back to work 
or she missed two pump sessions because she had a very busy day or we can usually pinpoint why it happens. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of that change to where we're missing a feeding, missing a pump session, and then milk sits in the breast and causes inflammation. And um, it's kind of like plugged, plugged ducts lead to mm -hmm. ma um, mastitis or they can lead to mastitis. So trying to catch it early, you know, if you start feeling full. And, and that's why you're so dedicated to the pump too, that you literally have to have your pump. You know, you are pump dependent yeah. when you're exclusively <coughs> pumping. Um, so if your pump breaks or you forgot a part or, you know, something like that, yeah. you can get into trouble relatively quickly. Yeah. Especially if you have very large milk supply, that's when it's kind of like, you have less wiggle room on missing a feeding if you have a very large okay. supply. Yeah. But mastitis is a form of, it turns into a form it of infection. It can turn into mm -hmm. infection, correct. And so hence you need antibiotics mm -hmm. to clear it up. They recommend like 10 years ago, I don't, I said, well, I missed probably eight years ago, initially the IBCLC at the hospital had recommended because I was, I called her because at that point I knew about the support available in the area and I called her and I said, you know, I have this knot in my breast and I don't feel well, and there's red streaks. And yeah. she said, okay, Cassie, it sounds like you're getting mastitis. I need you to massage nurse frequently. And at the time it was hot. That's what it was, mm -hmm. it was hot then. So she would say to put heating pad, hot washcloth, take a shower, get the milk out, massage, do everything. Um, and then the more kids I had, then everything changed again. And then Michelle's like, and the, Michelle's the IBCLC at, at the hospital. hospital. And that was yes. before Julie came into that world not it, she was in that world still but just not at the hospital um and she said now you have to do cold and that that and I don't know the science behind that well it's but heat there's swelling involved and heat can make swelling worse and mm -hmm. so we go cold to relieve that inflammation swelling which you know like ibuprofen like the anti-inflammatory mm -hmm. effects can mm -hmm. be super helpful as well mm -hmm. Um, and we can still use heat, but it's kind of, we'd use it differently. So to soothe the, the pain, cool compresses are helpful, but then you can oh, yeah. use heat for five minutes right before feeding or pumping, and that helps the Release. milk move a little yeah. bit easier. Okay. Um, but that has changed. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, Julie, we haven't <clears throat> heard about your own personal experience sure, sure. with breastfeeding. So like I mentioned earlier, I did not breastfeed my daughter, Nova. Um, and based on poor information about a specific medication that I was taking while I was pregnant, okay. it turned out to be the safer of the two of that sort of medication to take while pregnant, I learned later. Mm -hmm. um, but my second child, so I, you know, I lived, I mourned breastfeeding, you know, I wanted to breastfeed, I was planning to breastfeed, mm -hmm. you know, kind of my dreams about it came crashing down, you know, and here in Athens we, have a real breastfeeding community where mm -hmm. it's pretty normal to breastfeed here in mm -hmm. Athens. Um, and so I spent lots of time at the baby groups, at the library and the birth circle, you know, and I was like, gosh darn it, I'm so mad that, I, you know, I got m bad information, you yeah. know. Uh, and then when I had my next child, so he, Nova was three and a half when I had Orin, um, and I was bound and determined to nurse him no matter what. And I had a natural birth with him, which made you know breastfeeding happen easier afterwards. And I feel like I pushed through lots of issues because I didn't even see them as an issue because mm -hmm. I was 
finally breastfeeding and I was very happy that I was finally breastfeeding. Okay. Um, and so I, I can look back seeing a few things that maybe would have been issues, but I just kind of pushed on through and made it work. Okay. Um, when he was four months old, I started working at WIC as a breastfeeding peer helper. Okay. That's when I discovered all the information from Nova that I had <clears throat> given poor information. Uh, and so that's when I really got you know passionate about helping moms with breastfeeding, just getting the information into their hands because Truly, you cannot make an informed decision if you're not dealing with the correct information. Right. So, right. Um, so then I had my third child, and I was cracked and bleeding within 24 hours after my home birth. Whoa. I had her at home. Uh, it took me a while to be comfortable with that. My third child, I was ready to have a home birth. And um, so, yeah, I had damage within 24 hours, and she had that tip of the tongue, tongue tie. Okay. Um, Dr. Shelton clipped it in the office, made breastfeeding much more comfortable. But again, looking back kind of, and mm -hmm. at this point I was I was a, at IBCLC, so I knew all about breastfeeding, but mm -hmm. it's different when it's yourself, <laughs> you know, and you're trying <laughs> to apply all that you know to your mm -hmm. own body, it's interesting. Right, I'm um, sure. And so, you know, I can look back and still see some of the issues that she, you know, had that were related to that back part of the tongue still being tied. Okay. Um, and then, um, my, my most recent experience, Sophie, she, uh, she also was tongue tied, but it wasn't as obvious. She had the posterior type. Okay. And so this is kind of when I learned all about this, this topic was okay. because of her. Um, and so I've kind of been through the gamut with, um, problems, you know, I didn't see them as problems with Oren and just pushed on through and then, you know, dealing with pain and it was new to me even though I had already studied breastfeeding yeah. and had all this knowledge but I still struggled with yeah. getting everything worked out yeah. um, so help is so key you know knowing where that's, to turn that's what I wanted to <clears throat> to ask that you mm -hmm. could if you would explain to our viewers so because I think with all this discussion we've had th this morning we're making breastfeeding sound awful right right <laughs> so it's not <laughs> I just my intent today was to bring to light some of the issues yeah. so that mothers could be better prepared going into the experience. Right. But now we need to, to talk about if you are experiencing problems, what do you do so that you don't give up? Right. Because it gets so hard. Right. But yet it's yeah. such... It's so breastfeeding is yeah. learned behavior. We learn it from other mothers. Our babies learn. So we're learning. <clears throat> our babies are learning. It takes some practice. So the first week or two can be rocky. Um, but finding help is really key. Oblenis is now baby friendly, and so they do this whole 10 steps of different things that help set breastfeeding up better so that we're not okay. having as many issues in the hospital affecting the long-term breastfeeding relationship. Okay. Um, and then community support, La Leche Leagues International. So that's yeah. a really great place to turn to for help. Yeah. I wanna take a moment to hear about I mean, I'm familiar with La Leche League, but yeah. um, viewers are, may not. We're just a group of mothers, so it's mother-to-mother -mother support. Um, we it's don't all give, volunteer? It's all volunteer. Right. Everything's it's free. Um, Ten years ago, it was phone calls and home visits. Now it's I had more, a home visitor come yeah. with, and I had my son. It's Now it's yeah. more um, online support oh, that okay. we offer, um, which is what just... Is the, what is the website? Um, you can just, and just, Little Leche just, League, LLLI.org is what it is. Okay. Honestly, it's okay. not, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Okay. Um, but if you just Google it, you'll find one in your area. There are okay. chapters everywhere. And if there isn't, call a different chapter and they'll gladly help you over the phone or text or email or refer Facebook. you to. Yeah. Uh, uh, they'll get you to one closer. Yeah. Um, okay. And get you to an IBCLC because yeah. most of the time now, 
we have to help almost, we don't diagnose, but we listen and support you. And then in turn, we'll ha get you a phone number. But for beyond just listening and supporting, you can also um, assist with position, you oh, know, yeah. teaching, positioning, mm -hmm. and cues, yeah. and you know, recognizing yeah. cues, and that kind of thing. Yeah, so we like to be ready for anything that's going to be thrown at you with especially your first baby, we recommend reading while you're pregnant, yeah. which I know all pregnant women do, but reading the things that are baby friendly. So going with that initiative. So the Lecture League has a book called The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding, which I was going to bring today, but I give it away to everyone I know. Okay. And I can find a copy in my own home. <laughs> okay. um, but they do have it um, on, um, I forget which, which online you can read it on your phone okay just put it that way it's called okay. the womanly art of breastfeeding okay um, and it's a good foundation to start um, if you are you know aiming to be full full-time breastfe breastfeeding mom mm, yeah um, and then going to support groups before the baby's born finding friends before the baby's born because your family is your family but having friends and knowing an IBCLC or knowing a, li a leader in your town. Yeah, getting that support being lined not, up yeah. ahead of time. Absolutely. So that when you're in that moment of crisis, right. you know who you need to reach out to. Right. Yeah. And it's helpful hard. too if you know, <clears throat> if you've already met them, <laughs> because then yeah. you have a relationship and a it's point. easier to kind of call for help That's when you a have point. a relationship with yeah. the person who's helping you. Um, okay. But yeah, there are certain instances where you need to see an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. It's a big, long name, but it's a distinction from other um, breastfeeding trainings that are shorter. So that's okay. kind of the gold standard when you're okay. having an issue that that's where you need to go. Okay. Um, and I think what Cassie said, preparing ahead of time and then knowing when and where to ask questions. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like we're moving into the next era of um, breastfeeding help being covered by insurance. Oh, nice. So I'm nice. actually able to work with several insurance companies now where I can okay. bill them directly, which is wonderful. So then moms aren't paying as much out of pocket mm -hmm. to see me in private practice. Yeah. And um, we kind of have a, an issue with access to care here as far as lactation. We're great here in Athens, Ohio, but when you look at the whole of Southeastern Ohio, Appalachia in general, that's kind of where we're not quite up to the place that we should okay. be at this point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so we're But there always, are women working in the background that yes. have a, a, they, there are women in Appalachia getting it together so Absolutely. that it's all one okay. network. They're calling it the Appalachian Breastfeeding Network. Correct. Oh, the I ABN. Didn't know that. So yes. that's, that's so gonna great. cover Appalachia, like into all the states, ah. um, because those are the people that don't have access to the care. Okay. Um, wow. So that there is support, so that if you do want to breastfeed, you can have that that support yeah. via phone mainly, um, or find somebody close to you that breastfeeds that okay. can help you. All right. Well, you mentioned the book that mm -hmm. um, in every episode I ask my guests to bring an item or be prepared to talk about an item or a service that has become indispensable in this mom's life or this family's life. It's this fantastic thing that every mom should know about, right? So you mentioned your book. That was what you had wanted to bring today, yeah. but weren't able to find a copy. Mm -hmm. So Julie, I see yes. you have something there beside you. <laughs> I brought my um, ring sling. This one specifically is a Sakura Bloom ring sling, um, but this is just Beautiful amazing. Beautiful color. Yes, I love it actually. Um, it's a you know it's a sling that you wear so this is where when you say wear your baby you're literally mm -hmm. wearing them right. um and you can kind of 
tuck your little newborn into this kind of thing. You can wear this. I still can put my 20 month old in it, although mm -hmm. she knows ways to get out of it now. She can straighten <laughs> her legs and push herself out of it. But, you know, being able to carry your baby around your house just so that you have your hands free to do things. Do things. Um, or, you know, in public too, especially like we all love grocery shopping and get to meet lots of people and people are smiling at our babies, but during flu season, you don't want people touching your baby. Right, and so this right. is a nice way to kind of keep them right here so mm -hmm. people can't touch them. Um, and you know, you can kind of go about your shopping while you're wearing them. Um, uh, they help babies go to sleep. You know, oh, like if I ever yeah. have a time that my baby's not wanting to sleep, put them in the sling, start mm -hmm. walking around mm -hmm. and they're out. Mm -hmm. So this is like, I mean, you can nurse in it, you can just carry them, you can do several different holes. They're amazing. So yes. ring yes. slings. <laughs> I had, when I had my son and was using my ring sling, my mom was like, what is that? <laughs> she just thought it was the weirdest thing. And she was just like, but I'm like, mom, this is fabulous. Yeah. And, and now it's so much more commonplace yes. than nine years ago. Right. So yeah, yeah I yeah. did not wear Nova at all, but I did wear Orin some, but my youngest two definitely got the bulk of the baby wearing. Mm, yeah, and those aren't as easy to do, learn. Yeah, to sometimes use. you need help. You need a little help. I remember going to somebody who was who made them. Yeah, uh -huh. and she showed me and gave, helped me because I was like struggling. Like, what do I do with this? Yeah, yeah. you know, I kind of just figured it out. And you, the more you kind of work and move and get comfortable and tighten it down, yeah. and it, it it works itself out generally. But um, we have a couple of really great resources here in Athens that are very experienced with baby wearing. Mm -hmm. And Erica taught me some things, a uh, local midwife, that changed it dramatically. Just a little tug here and a tightness there. Right. And um, so getting some help with baby wearing yeah, is Yeah, like usually, with breastfeeding. Yep. Reach out for some help. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. It's a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're back just in time to <laughs> share your... Holding my, oh, my Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so I brought, are you going to just stay there? Uh, Aside from your baby. I brought mm -hmm. this, which oh. we have seen um, with all three kids and have used it and loved it, and it's a bib. But <laughs> it covers them. It's like a little... It's like a shirt. It's like a like shirt a bib. And, oh, and, you, and you put it over them, and they awesome. there's no food on their clothing <laughs> when they eat, and there's a pocket, and it folds up. I haven't either. <laughs> I haven't it's awesome. Seen it reminds you of an art spot. I, so where did is. you find that? It's That's at cool. Ikea. It's an Ikea bib, and it so, probably is for art. I don't know. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> so did you just stumble across it, or did somebody clue you um, and say, hey, you need one of these? No, I was at an Ikea near where my mom lives, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, let's try it. Because when you're a new parent, <laughs> people give you all kinds of stuff. And cute bibs are cute, but they never seem to help with food. Mm -hmm, and it sure. was just like I'm mm -hmm. changing it, and there's stuff in, like all over them. And this is awesome. They, so you've had that for all three kids? I started I've with gotten many? numerous ones, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. They last, like, they they last a pretty really good well. long time, though. I would say maybe... <laughs> Is that like a nylon? Yeah, it's yeah. and it's fairly water repellent. Um, ish. Yeah. Like if there's berries or something, it doesn't usually soak through immediately. Soak through too badly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's but great. I, I haven't seen that before. I love it. That's my item. And <laughs> All right, that's a good item. Yeah. Okay, so to wrap an episode, I usually ask my guests, "What is the best parenting advice you have ever received, or just 
insight. Doesn't necessarily have to be advice, but just somebody that clued you in on something. You're like, oh, I'm so glad I knew that. I'll start. I have okay. one. So, okay. um, basically, it's this too shall pass. You know, every time you have an issue with your baby, we, you know, you figure it out. You're like, okay, I've been working on this problem that I have, whatever it is, latching, milk supply, working and pumping, managing your kids while you're doing all these other things. Um, and then you get it figured out, and then all of a sudden you have a new set of issues that you're, you're with then. So, I mean, I feel like we're very, we're troubleshooters, like as moms, that's what we do. And breastfeeding kind of pushes that a little bit and forces you to figure out all those little details that make your life easier, you know? So we're really all about troubleshooting as moms, you know? And when realizing when you're in the midst of it that this will pass, and then you'll have a new set of challenges to figure out, and that's normal, and that is, And then you have a teenager. Yeah, the way of the mother, this too shall pass. That's great, yep. Um, Mine was originally along her lines, but then thinking about it, I wish somebody would have told me um, in the beginning, and now I incorporate it in when I talk to people, is self-care. Ah, um, that's a good one. Because I didn't do that the f- with the first two. It took I two kids either. to realize, oh, wait, I'm still myself, even though right. I have people latched to me all the time. Yeah, like, It's important yes. to get away, and it's like, important to like, take care of yourself. I deserve to eat a hot meal or yeah, even sit if it's, down while I'm eating yeah. it. You know? Yeah, and <laughs> it could just be a shower. So or many or people shower. say they lose themselves mm-hmm. when they become mothers, and I yeah. think that's why. It's because we're so busy caretaking yeah. everything that we don't. Yeah. I know it's I'm hard to guilty. ask for help when you become a mom. Like, you know that you ask for help before, but then once you become a mom, you kind of become this protective being that, like, melts into their children. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, Wait, hold on a second. Like, I have not exercised or brushed my hair in years. Right, right. Um, It's time to do that again. So, yeah, so, yeah, I would say that's what I would want someone to tell me, especially with my first, is don't forget about you. Don't forget about you. I love that. Yeah. Anything spring into mind? Um, No, but sometimes it's nice, like, if my husband would say it, like, you're a good mom. Like you're doing a good job, and that's that's nice. So. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that is very nice yeah. to hear that. I know what you mean. Yeah, that's so great. And a lot of us question that based right. on little details. <laughs> when really, all the time. like your three-year-old is losing his ever-loving mind <laughs> yes. all day long. Right. And then someone yeah. says, like, yeah, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job, yeah. though. Yeah. yeah. Aww. Well, I think that wraps it up for us today. So I thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. You've been great. And for those of you out there, thank you for joining us. And I hope you will join us next time on Mom Powers.